First Timothy 3, verses 1 through 13. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons, if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Father, as we've read this passage of scripture this morning, which talks about leaders in the local church, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us and that you would give us understanding as to what exactly you're looking for among leaders in the church. And Lord, today as we're recognizing publicly leaders that this church have selected, Lord, we pray that this time would honor and glorify you and that it would encourage each of our hearts as a local church body. So Lord, we pray your blessing over our time in your word and over this entire service. And we ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Proverbs 29.2 says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. So again, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. Now this statement is true of nations, but it's also true of churches. And as a church body, today we rejoice together that the Lord has provided us with godly leaders. Today is the final service, of course, of 2019, and it's an ordination service where we are recognizing new leaders that have been chosen in this church to lead this local church under God. Now, oftentimes when people think about leaders, when people are looking for leaders, when people are searching for leaders, what they have in mind and what they're looking for is competence. They definitely want to make sure that the person can do the job. So competence, but also charisma. They want charisma. Someone who can get the job done and get it done in style. And people have always been drawn to that. Take, for example, Israel's first king, King Saul. King Saul was a spectacular man from human, a human perspective. The scriptures tell us that Saul was head and shoulders above the rest. What that means is that he looked the part for a king in the ancient world. What you needed to lead a nation back then 
was somebody who was a warrior king. Somebody who could look intimidating as you and your armies marched out to battle. And Saul was that guy. Head and shoulders above everybody else. Tall and strong. So he was competent for the job, you could say. But we're also reminded over and over again in the book of 1 Samuel that Saul was handsome. Now, it'd be a great compliment for any of us if the scriptures said that we were handsome or beautiful. But when the scriptures say it over and over again, you're talking about a really good-looking person. And Saul was handsome. He had natural charisma. People were attracted to him. People were drawn to him. Of course, his story doesn't end well, because although he might have had the look for the part, deep down inside he was lacking the true qualities that a leader of God's people needed. But again, charisma and competence are what many people are drawn to when they're selecting leaders. And unfortunately, when we think about the local church, that's oftentimes what churches are looking for in their leaders. They want competence and they want charisma. They're hoping that their leaders have the ability to be dynamic communicators on one hand and creative visionaries on the other. It's sort of like what they're looking for in their local church leaders is a mix between maybe Steve Jobs or Walt Disney on one hand and JFK or Winston Churchill on the other hand. These great competent leaders and these great visionaries. Now, there's nothing wrong with being charismatic per se. Um, And if God gives a church a leader who is both competent and charismatic, that's a great gift. But guess what? At the end of the day, That's not what matters most. God has never been after charisma. Going back to Israel's kings, once Saul came and went and had a terrible failure, God selected a new king. And this was a king of God's choosing. And it was a man named David. Unlike Saul, David was not what the people would have looked for. In fact, uh, when Samuel was sent to David's father's house, Jesse, to anoint the next king over Israel, Uh, Jesse paraded his other seven sons before Samuel, assuming that one of these guys was going to be the next king because they looked the part. They were big, they were strong, they were kind of natural-born leaders. Jesse didn't even invite David to the party. David is left out tending to sheep And Samuel literally goes through all seven of Jesse's sons and is like, Lord, you said that the next king is in this house, but he's not here. And so he looks at Jesse and he says, do you not have another son? Well, I've got one more, but it could never be him. And he has to call David in from tending to the sheep. David was not what you would have thought of for a leader. He's not the guy that most people would have chosen. But here's what he did have. The scriptures say that David was a man after God's own heart. David had the right internal quality about him. He had the right character, if you will. He had a heart that loved God and desired to know God and to worship God and to lead other people to know and follow and worship God. And that's the kind of leader that God is always looking for. When it comes to those who lead God's churches today, it's character and competence that matter with the real emphasis, listen, on character. In fact, the qualifications for the biblical offices are almost entirely moral. They're almost entirely related to the character or the type of person rather than the skill set that the person has. 
And this demonstrates to us that character is, in fact, king. It's worth noting from the, passages that, the passage that we read in 1 Timothy that the only qualifications that are related to competency and not character are found in verse 2 where it talks about the need of overseers in the church to be able to teach and then in verse 5 where it alludes to the elder's responsibility to manage the church of God. So every other qualification for leadership in the church there is moral. It's about the character of the person. The only things that relate to his job is that he can teach and that he can lead to some extent. What this means for us this morning is that what is most important in leaders in the church is having the right kind of leader. That's infinitely more important than the right set of skills or abilities. At the end of the day, spiritual leaders are leading people to be more spiritual. Right? Isn't that the job of spiritual leaders? At the end of the day, they're leading people to be more spiritual. So it's a must that they themselves be spiritual people. Let's move this out of the spiritual realm to the physical realm for a moment to just demonstrate how important this is. Think about the physical realm. Think about taking care of your body physically. You would never hire a personal trainer who was overweight and out of shape themselves, right? I mean, is that the person that you would say, this is the person I want to entrust my physical health to? No, you're looking for a person who can kind of say, been there, done that, and I can help you to get here. You want the person who has a disciplined diet. You want the person who gets into the gym and exercises, and it's actually proving to be effective. And you say, that's the person that I want to lead me into physical health. Well, in a similar way, if our goal as Christians is to grow in godliness, if our goal as Christians is to become more and more like Jesus, and to grow in our spiritual lives, then the most important thing we can say about those that we're choosing to lead in our churches is that they themselves are spiritual, that they're godly people, that they are growing and maturing in their faith and setting an example for all of us to emulate. Again, what matters most is having the right kind of leader. And listen, when a church has that, the church is truly blessed. As a church family, we've been praying for two years now that the Lord would provide us with godly leaders. Well, hold on a second. I know how that sounds. That sounds as if the last two years we've been led by godless leaders, which is not a very positive thing to say of myself for sure. What I mean to say is this, that up to this point, I've been the only biblical officer in this church as the pastor of this church. So what we've been praying for as a congregation for two years now is that God would send us other qualified men and women to fill the biblical offices that we see in the New Testament. Because in the New Testament, the vision for leadership in a local church is not that you just have one single pastor who's leading the church. In the New Testament, there are two biblical offices of leadership, elders and deacons. Now some of you might be saying, wait, where do pastors fit into that? Didn't you just say that you're a pastor? If there's only elders and deacons, where do pastors fit into that? That's a great question. And the answer is this, that in the New Testament, the title pastor is synonymous with the title elder. 
In fact, in the New Testament, the title pastor is synonymous with elder, and it's also synonymous with overseer, which is the title that we see in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. I want to show this to you quickly in the scriptures so that you don't think that I'm doing a pastoral Jedi mind trick on you. All three of these offices are referring to the same person. Quickly, I want to show you that elders and overseers are synonymous in the New Testament. Again, these two titles are referring to the same biblical office. If you were in Acts chapter 20, which I'm going to put these verses on the screen for you, there's a famous account of the Apostle Paul departing for Jerusalem, and he's leaving Asia Minor, and he's on the seacoast, and he summons the leadership of a local church, the church at Ephesus. And in verse 17, we see that the leaders that he's calling for are the elders of the church. Here's Acts 20, verse 17. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. Now he's going to give them a speech. And in verse 28, here's what he says to the elders of the church. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you over Seers, do you see the key word there? To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So he's speaking to the elders, and he calls them the overseers of the church. We see this again in Titus chapter 1. Here in Titus chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is instructing Titus, who's a young pastor, on who he should be looking for as leaders in the local church. And he says, starting in verse 5, He says, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So he's saying, look, you're you're on the island of Crete to appoint elders in every church there. So the office here is elders, and now he's going to give qualifications for who can fill this office. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery, or insubordination for or because an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. So once again, he's saying appoint elders and here's the qualifications. And in those qualifications, he's saying these people are the overseers of the church. So again, overseers, Elders, same office. They're synonymous. Second, I want to show you real briefly that elders and pastors are synonymous. So, as a pastor of a local church, I'm an elder. That's that's the biblical office, an elder or a pastor, same term. In fact, you should know that the word or the title pastor is the Latin word for shepherd. So, In Latin, when you see shepherd in the New Testament, in Latin, the word there is pastor, and that's where we've gotten the title now in many modern churches of pastors. Pastor simply means shepherd. In 1 Peter chapter 5, here's what Peter writes. So I exhort the elders among you, so again, he's talking to the elders, the leaders of the church, as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed shepherd, again in Latin, pastor the flock of God that is among you, 
exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. And then over in Ephesians 4.11, we're reading about where Christ has given gifts to the church, and there we read this, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, again pastors, and teachers. So in that passage, we realize that those who are the teachers or the pastors of the church are the leaders. So in the New Testament, the titles overseer, pastor, and elder all refer to the same biblical office. This is why in our church's bylaws, we write this, the biblical offices in the church are elders and deacons. So what exactly do the elders and the deacons do? Or to put it differently, this morning as we're ordaining another elder and two deacons in our church, what ministry are we actually calling them into here at Apostles Church? I want to read from Acts chapter 6, where we see the origins of the office of the deacons, as well as the division of labor between the apostles, who were unique in church history, but whose office gave way to pastors. So the division of labor between them and the deacons. And this will help us to better understand what elders and deacons do today. This is Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty." But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great, great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. I want to draw your attention to three things in that passage. The first thing is this. The apostles in the early church saw the practical needs in the church. In this case, caring for the widows in the congregation who had nobody else to provide for them. The apostles saw that practical ministry as important ministry. So in church life, we don't just say, oh, no, 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 all we're about is is spiritual matters and then let people's physical matters be ignored. The apostles saw that these women being cared for really, really mattered. This is important ministry. It needs to happen. That's point number one. The second thing to be said is this. Although that's true, the apostles knew that their responsibility was to be devoted to prayer and to the preaching of God's word. They knew that that was what God had appointed them to do in the church, and they couldn't leave that or neglect that or ignore that important work to take on this other important work. So third and finally, they tasked the church with selecting seven spiritual men to meet these practical needs and serve, or literally in the Greek, deacon the church in this way. And so, 
In Acts chapter 6, you see the establishment of the diaconate or the office of deacons. And here they are serving the church in very practical and tangible ways. So, from this passage and others, here's what we can say about the offices of elders and deacons in the church. And we'll put this on the screen for you. Elders shepherd the souls of those under their care and equip the church for the work of ministry through teaching and governing. So elders are there, pastors are there to shepherd the flock and to equip every member in the church to do the work of the ministry. And the way they do that is by teaching the word of God and leading or governing the church. Deacons, on the other hand, take care of the physical and logistical needs of the church by organizing and leading members in the work of ministry. So again, the physical needs of the church and the logistical needs of the church, the deacons take care of those things. And the deacons also lead the other members of the church in serving in the work of the ministry. And what's beautiful about this is that when churches are filled with godly elders and godly deacons and deaconesses, the whole church is cared for well. The, the elders or the pastors are freed up to devote themselves to praying for the church, to preaching the word of God and teaching and instructing the church, and to caring for every member in the church, being able to shepherd them and visit them and minister to them and counsel them. And the deacons are able to organize and mobilize all the members in the church to take care of all of the other needs in the church so that there's no neglect, so that nobody is left out, so that the church is running and functioning properly. And so what that looks like practically in a lot of churches, and what this will look like as we continue to develop more and more deacons and deaconesses in this church, is that oftentimes when you think about the different ministries in the church, you have a deacon or a deaconess who is spearheading those particular ministries. So for example, think about our hospitality team or our children's ministry here or our security team or our audiovisual team that does the, the wonderful slides and the sound and the lights and all of that. Ultimately, those teams are being spearheaded by deacons or deaconesses in the church who are mobilizing other members and organizing them and, and utilizing all the members in the church to serve the church in various ways. And it's a beautiful thing. And so that's what the deacons are doing. That's the work that they're doing in the church. And again, when a church has godly leaders occupying both of these offices, it's well on its way to being a very healthy church. And so even while we rejoice today that the Lord has provided us another elder and two deacons, I want to challenge you, family, to continue praying that the Lord would provide us more and more qualified men to serve as elders and more and more qualified men and women to serve as deacons and deaconesses in this church going forward. Well, be that as it may, Today is about publicly recognizing and ordaining the leaders that God has given to us. And so I want to begin with the newest elder in our church, Ryan McGinnis. And yeah, we can clap. I want to invite Ryan and his wife Taylor to come up here. And church, I've prepared, or we've prepared as a church, charges basically commitments for 
Ryan that he is making to you as a church family and as a spiritual leader here. And then we've also prepared commitments that we're making as a church body in relation to Ryan as a chosen leader among us. And so I want to be able to go over this with you. Um, Your response portion is very, very simple. So easy a caveman could do it, I promise. Um, In fact, I even think we'll have a prompt on the screen. But I will tell you when it's your part, and I'll give you the words to say. And if you can't handle that, I am so sorry. That's all I can do. That's the best I can do. But we'll begin with a charge to Ryan, again, as the newest elder or pastor in our church. Ryan, do you desire to serve this congregation as an elder? I do. Do you commit to the following? To continuously growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so that all may see your progress. To living a life that is above reproach, setting an example for the church in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. To loving and honoring your wife, Taylor, by keeping her as your highest ministry, understanding that you are called to pastor your home before you pastor our church. To governing and leading our church in equity and justice, seeking to glorify God and build up the body of Christ in every decision you make. To shepherding the flock with gentleness and resolve, leading the church in the truth of God's word, protecting the flock from false teaching, and availing yourself to the needs of this body through counseling, visiting the sick, and ministering to the bereaved, to praying fervently for the church, consistently bringing the needs of this body before our Father in heaven, to being open and honest with the church in seasons of challenge and difficulty, acknowledging that although a leader among us, even more fundamentally, you are our brother, and as such, this body is here to serve and protect you, even as you serve and protect us. Awesome. Well, church, let me turn to you now and ask you a question. Do you receive Ryan as an elder among you? If so, please respond, we do. Do Do you commit to the following? To respecting and highly esteeming him in love, recognizing that he is one of Christ's gifts to this church. To praying for him and his family fervently, recognizing that we have an adversary who vigilantly opposes us, to obeying and submitting to him in spiritual matters so that his work among us might be a joy, recognizing that he is keeping watch over your souls as one who must give an account, to joyfully partnering with him in serving this church, recognizing that his ministry is to equip all of us for the work of ministry, to paying close attention to his doctrine, holding him accountable to preaching and teaching the gospel faithfully, to never admitting a charge against him unless it is established by two or three witnesses, in which case we will diligently seek his repentance. And lastly, to pursuing peace, unity, and order in this church in all things, and especially by honoring Ryan as one of God's appointed leaders among us. If so, please say, we do. We do. do. Wonderful. Well, at this time, I want to invite up the other pastors that we have in this church with us today. They are not our pastors, but they are pastors from our sending church. As many of you know, Ryan and I were sent here to Santa Barbara and to this wonderful church two years ago to replant Apostles Church from a great church down in Riverside called Harvest Christian Fellowship. And we have three pastors from Harvest who are here with us today. 
um, and they're going to come up and we're together going to lay hands on Ryan and Taylor as we pray together as a congregation for them. And so let me just introduce them. Um, the first one is a guy that I know relatively well. He's my dad, Marty Hooper, and he's the missions pastor at Harvest. So dad, if you'd come up. And then we've got Ryan's father-in-law, Mike Jonker, who is here, and his brother-in-law, Gabe Velasquez, who led worship for us. I guess you can say this is what you would call the family business, right? I mean, this is all family here. But really, what a beautiful thing, seeing multiple generations of families that are serving the Lord together in ministry. So we're going to just lay hands on Ryan and Taylor and just pray for them together. And church, if you would just extend your hand as a way of acknowledging that you are participating in this prayer together for the McGinnises. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful today for your faithfulness to us as a church family. Lord, we recognize your faithfulness in so many different ways. But Lord, today it's especially clear as we see that you are providing godly leaders among us. Lord, Ryan and his wife Taylor have been faithful to you and faithful to this church for the last two years. Lord, they've served this church with integrity. They've served this church with joy and love and passion. And Lord, we affirm your calling in Ryan's life as a pastor in the local church. Lord, we see his character and the character of his wife. We see the love that they have for one another. We see the love that they have for you. Lord, we also see his giftedness in being faithful to teach and instruct this church through your word. And we see his ability to help lead and shepherd and guide this church. And so, Lord, we joyfully recognize them today and recognize Ryan as an elder in our church. Father, we pray for them that you would continue to strengthen their marriage. That, Lord, they would together be a beautiful example and picture of the gospel message. A picture of the love that you have for your bride. And, the, and a picture of the joyful union that is ours with you by faith. I pray that their marriage would be a, a beautiful picture of that. Lord, we pray that they would support each other and encourage each other in their own faith. And Lord, we pray that uh, you would help them to raise their beautiful children. Continue, I should say, to raise their beautiful children in the ways of the Lord. Lord, we want to thank you today for Taylor. We thank you for what a gift she is to Ryan. What a blessing that she is. Lord, your word says that if anyone finds a virtuous wife, they find a good thing. And Lord, we know Ryan has found that in Taylor. And Lord, we thank you for the particular gifts that you've given to her, the way that she serves and leads in children's ministry and in women's ministry in our church. Lord, we thank you for that. And we pray that you'd continue to bless her in all the things that she does. And Lord, we pray that you would bless Ryan again as a pastor in our church, as a spiritual leader among us. So Lord, we commit them to you now. Lord, lastly, we pray for this congregation that Lord, we would be obedient to your word by praying for this family, Lord, by encouraging them, and by supporting and submitting to the spiritual leadership of Ryan as a pastor in this church. So Lord, help us to be a congregation that is unified and that, is, that demonstrates love for you as we demonstrate love for one another. We ask all of these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Okay, this wouldn't be a proper party if we didn't have a gift. So, we got as a church a gift for Pastor Ryan. Um, I guess this is a little anticlimactic because it's a wrapped gift, but I'm going to tell you what it is before he rips it open. Um, but, what's that? Did you say, should I open it now? Okay. Uh, what we got, Ryan, is we got him a really nice Bible that is specifically designed for preaching and teaching the word. You're like, what does that mean? You. You're welcome. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what does that mean? It just means that the way that it is set up is that it's very, very easy to read. If you've ever had to read scripture publicly and you're going and you're reading and you lose track of the next verse and where that's out on the page, panic will hit your heart. Where am I at? What do I say next? So it's just laid out properly. Every single verse is bold and easy for you to find. The font is big so that your eyes can find everything really well. So it's a beautiful Bible that we bought for Ryan for pastoral ministry. Well, next we want to ordain the new deacons in our church. So I want to invite Jonas and his wife Ruth, as well as Justin and his wife Lisa, to this stage. And as they do, yeah, we can clap for them as well. And in like fashion, I've got charges for the deacons and charges for the church. So we'll begin with the deacons. Jonas and Justin, do you desire to serve this congregation as deacons? I do. I do. Great. Do you commit to the following? To continuously growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To living a life that is blameless, not perfect, but beyond accusation, thereby setting an example of godliness for our church. To being full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom so that you might discern the will of the Lord in serving the needs of this body. To loving and honoring your wife by keeping her as your highest ministry, understanding that ministry always begins in the home. To holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience by pursuing and teaching sound doctrine as opportunity presents itself. To praying fervently for the church, consistently bringing the needs of this body before our Father in heaven. To being open and honest with the church in seasons of challenge and difficulty, acknowledging that although a leader among us, even more fundamentally, you are our brother, and as such, this body is here to serve and protect you, even as you serve and care for us. With God's help, yes, I do. Awesome. With God's help. Great. Church, do you receive Jonas and Justin as deacons among you? If so, please say, we do. Do you commit to the following? To respecting and highly esteeming them in love, recognizing that they are Christ's gifts to this church. To praying for them and their families fervently, recognizing that we have an adversary who vigilantly opposes us. To joyfully partnering with them in serving this church, recognizing that every one of us have been called to the work of the ministry. To resisting the destructive sins of gossip, slander, and divisiveness, and instead, if a problem with them arises, to take the matter to them personally as we've been instructed by our Lord Jesus Christ. To pursuing peace, unity, and order in this church in all things, and especially by honoring them as two of God's appointed leaders among us. If you agree, please say, we do. We do. Great. Awesome. 
Well, I'm going to invite Pastor Ryan back up, and together as the pastors of this church, we're going to lay hands on these wonderful new deacons and their wives and pray together as a church family for them. All right, let's pray together, church. Father, we are so thankful for both Jonas and Justin and their wives, Ruth and Lisa, and their families, Lord. What joy they each bring to this congregation. Lord, we're so thankful for the many years of leadership and love and service of Jonas and Ruth in this local church. Many years before I was ever here, Lord, they were faithfully loving and serving this church. We praise you for their faithfulness today. Lord, we're also thankful for the cooks. And Lord, although they've only been with us for a shorter time, to see their devotion to you, their love and devotion to this church, and the joy that they've brought to this family of God, we praise you and thank you for sending this wonderful family. Lord, we thank you for the godly character of Jonas and, and Justin. And Lord, we thank you for the giftedness that you've given to both of them, the ways that they handle already the organization and the logistics of so much of the ministry that takes place in this church. And Lord, we pray that you would continue to fill them, even as you filled those first deacons with the Holy Spirit and with wisdom so that they might best understand how to serve this church. Lord, we pray for their marriages and their families. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful wives that you've provided to both of them. Lord, we thank you for the love and the joy that both of them have in their marriages. Many of us in this church got to even celebrate with Jonas and Ruth last weekend, a 40-year wedding anniversary. And by every account from family and friends, a joyful, loving, harmonious union. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen both of these marriages in the years to come. And that, again, they would be beautiful examples of the gospel, of the love that you have for us. And Lord, we pray that as we move forward into 2020, that through their service, you would motivate and encourage every member in this church to be actively serving this body, meeting the needs, both spiritual and physical, in this local church. And Lord, we pray that every member here would feel loved, valued, and cared for. Lord, lastly, as a church family, we pray that you would cause each of us to show these spiritual leaders in our church the honor that they're worthy of, that, Lord, we would revere them and esteem them highly with respect and love, as your word commends us to, that, Lord, we would be committed and faithful to pray for them and their families, and that, Lord, we would be willing to partner with them and to serve the many needs of this local church for your glory and for the good of this local church. So, God, please bless us as a church family. We are so thankful for the work you're doing here, and today we are so thankful for the wonderful leaders you've given to this church. And so we commit them to you now, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you guys. Love you. And we have gifts. So let me hand these to you guys, Jonas and Justin. These are not Bibles, but they are part of the scriptures. These are actually two really nice copies of the Psalter, which is all of the Psalms put together in one single book. Um, one of the things that deacons find themselves doing in the ministry is doing a lot of 
member care and visiting with members. Sometimes that's visiting people in the hospital when they're sick. At other times, it's visiting people in their homes. And oftentimes, in visitation ministry, the Psalms are your go-to place to find comfort and encourage the people of God through the Word of God. And so we got them, again, very nice copies of the Psalter that they can carry with them in their times of ministry. So thank you guys so much. We love you. We honor you and appreciate you. Is anybody hungry this morning? Are you guys getting hungry? I am hungry today. My son Judah, he is, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So we are about to celebrate uh, more so of what God's doing in our church through a massive feast over at Kirby Hall. Um, Andy has been slaving away with some of his other family members, cooking for us this morning. And what is on the menu is tri-tip and chicken. Um, If you've ever eaten Andy's barbecue before, then you know that God's favor is indeed on this church because it is so tasty. Um, And so everybody's invited to head over there in a couple of minutes, and we're going to feast together and continue celebrating what God is doing. But first, we want to invite all of you to stand to your feet, and we're going to close with a worship song. And the song we've selected is This I Believe, which, as some of you may know, is um, written based off of the Apostles' Creed. And we want to sing this together as a church family because it's a way of us corporately declaring our faith and our beliefs in the Lord. So let's sing this together now.